0: Well, today is the first Sunday of 2013, and we're beginning a new message series which have been titled Goals 2013. Now, as we begin, let's think about a couple questions. The first question I want you to think about is what do you desire for your life, for your family, and for your church in this new year? What do you desire for your life, for your family, and for your church? In this new year. Are you thinking? Second question. What does God desire for your life? For your family and for your church in 2013? Now, the answers to those two questions may not be the same. Now, if you and God are on a different page... Concerning what He wants for your life in the coming year, then then things aren't going to work out so well for the new year for you. But if you and God are on the same page, then He has good plans to bless you in the coming year. God has good plans, and if we can align our will with God's will, if our heart's desire is the same as God's desire for us, then wonderful things are in store. And so in this message series, we're going to be looking at some of the goals that God has for us in this new year. Goals that come from God's Word so that we know it's His plan and desire for us. So that we can align our desires with His goals in this new year. First verse we want to look at is found in Matthew 6.33. And in the middle of your bulletin, there's a a page like this that has the outline of the message here and the verses written up. They're going to be on the monitors as well, but I encourage you to take that out and take some notes there so that you can... I'll go over this during the week as well. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first His kingdom. And so God's Word instructs us to put Him first. To put God's will, to put God's desire to His righteousness first in our lives in the new year. And that means that our goals must first and foremost be God's goals for our lives. And when we seek God's goals first, what happens? Well, if you read the whole context of Matthew chapter 6, you'll see that God promises to meet our needs. It says all these things will be added to you. The things we need in our lives. We need food. We need clothing. Those are the things mentioned In the passage, the necessities of life. Too often, people put their own needs first. My goal in 2013 is to make X and X dollars. My goal in 2013 is to be promoted at work. Now, those may be things that God has for you. But we put Him first. We want to do what He wants. Everything in our lives is submissive to Him. To seek God's kingdom first means that we seek His goals in every aspect of our lives. We seek God's goals first in our family. We want the things God wants for our families first and foremost. In our jobs, we want to please God in our jobs. We want to honor Him in our jobs. In our recreation, in our relationships, in our church family, we put God first. And when we do that, God promises to take care of the necessities of life. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Put God first and you're going to be taken care of. And when God takes care of all our needs, guess what? We don't need to worry. God's got everything covered. Of course, the whole passage in Matthew 6 talks about not worrying. Verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we don't have to worry about tomorrow because God's going to take care of us as we put Him first in our lives. Now, when we put God first in our lives, does that mean we're not going to have any trouble? Some people preach that. We put God first in our lives and you won't have any trouble. Well, right here it says something about each day has enough trouble of its own. So we're going to have trouble in life, but God's going to help us through the trouble. God's going to give us the strength to make it through. He's going to give us the guidance to follow Him even in the midst of trouble. He wants us to reach the goals that He has for us in this new year. Now, in this message series, we're going to be looking at some basic goals that are found in Scripture that are for every believer, everyone who is seeking to follow God. These goals are areas that we all can, uh, all follow in our lives, and we can continue to grow in these goals year after year, because none of us has attained to the goals that God has for us there, there. These goals can be applied to ourselves personally. They can be applied to our families. They can be applied to our church family and beyond. But besides these general goals we're going to be talking about in this series, God has very specific goals for you and your family. And the specific goals that God has for you are not the same as the goals God has for the person sitting next to you. And how are you going to find out what God's specific goals for you are in 2013. Well, I believe that as you pursue God's general goals, as you draw close to God, God will speak into your heart and clearly tell you what He wants you specifically to do in the new year. And as you follow those goals, you're going to be blessed. Today, my message is entitled, Seeking God's Face. Seek God's Face. We're going to be talking about God's goal for every believer in building a relationship with God, growing our relationship with God. This is really a foundational, the foundational goal that we're going to talk about in this series. When we get this one right, when we're growing and moving towards that goal of seeking God's face, building a relationship with Him, then the other things begin to fall into place. If you don't pursue this goal in 2013, it's it's going to be a difficult year. Now today we're going to look at a passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And in this passage, King Solomon had completed building the temple. He dedicated it to the, to the Lord, to God. The temple was the place where God was worshipped in the Old Testament. And it was the place where God met with his people. Now we don't have a physical temple anymore. This church building is not a temple Uh, In the New Testament, the Bible speaks of each believer as being a temple. Each believer is a temple. Why? Because God dwells inside of each believer. God speaks of a church family, not the building, but the people of the church as being a temple because God dwells in the midst of his people when they meet together. And after the dedication, we'll talk more about that, how that applies to our lives in a minute. But after the dedication of the temple, God appeared to King Solomon and spoke to him. He said, I've heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And God has chosen each believer for himself. If you're a believer here this morning, God has chosen you for himself. A place for him to dwell. So let's look at what this passage teaches us about the goal of seeking God's face in 2013. The first thing we need to do is recognize God's judgments. He begins in verse 13, the next verse, and God speaking to King Solomon. He says, When I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people... And so God here is listing three judgments. He begins with the word when. Interesting enough. He doesn't say if I send these judgments. He says when I send judgments. These judgments would come on these judgments would come on Israel. And they will God's judgments come on people today. And why do they come on people? Well, we'll see here in a minute that judgments come as a result of sin. When we don't follow God's will, Judgments come as a result of disobedience. And why does God send judgment? God sends judgment to wake people up. And say, hey, what you're doing is not pleasing me. What you're doing is hurting yourself. What you're doing is hurting other people. Turn to me. Seek my face. Today's God's judgments could be economic. They could be financial, they could be relational difficulties, they could be health issues, they could be any other type of problem or difficulty, could be a judgment of God on a person's life. Now we have to be careful here. We have to be careful. Is every problem in life God's judgment? The answer clearly is no, it's not. Problems come into every believer's life. The Bible teaches that some difficulties in a believer's life could be due to persecution. It could be due to someone else persecuting you for your faith, in a big way or a little way. Problems in life could simply be a result of a testing from God, or, or just a simple difficulty of living in a, in a fallen world, in which sin has caused all kinds of problems. But whether a problem or difficulty is due to a judgment of God or not, we should respond in the same way. We should seek God's face. If you're encountering something this morning at the beginning of the year 2013, a difficulty, a problem, you need to seek God's face. What is our first response when something negative comes into our lives? Unfortunately, many people tend to want to blame someone for the problems in their lives. Sometimes we look for another person to blame. Well, they're the ones that caused my problem. Sometimes people blame God Himself. I've met many people who are bitter and angry at God because of things that have happened in their lives. But we need to look at ourselves first and ask the question, if there's a problem and difficulty in my life, have I, have I sinned? Have I done anything that could have brought God's judgment into my life? If we've done something, the Holy Spirit will show us and help us to repent and make it right. We're going to talk more about that in, in a minute. But in the Scripture passage we're looking at today, the difficulties mentioned by God, when these things happen, our direct judgments of God For sin that Israel would commit in the future. And so they needed to meet God's conditions for revival. And we're going to spend most of the rest of the message looking at a a very well-known verse in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. And it begins like this. It says, if my people who are called by my name. And so the first word in this famous verse is if if my people who are called by my name, it's a a conditional promise. And this is the condition that God is going to speak next. If a person or if a church meets the conditions of this promise, then God is going to fulfill the second part of the verse, which begins with the word then. If then. If you do this, then I will do that. And what or who is this promise for? It's for my people. If My people, the ones who are called by my name. It's for God's people. And what's a New Testament believer called? It's called a Christian. What does the word Christian mean? That means a follower of Christ. A believer bears the name of God. We are Called by his name. And so this promise is for believers. It's for you, it's for me, it's, it's for our church. And if we follow the conditions that God lays out here, then God will bring what I call revival in our lives, revival in our families, revival in our church. Revival is the process by which God restores us to himself, by which God draws us closer to him, by which God pours his blessings into our lives. How many want more of God's blessing in your life? I do. So let's look at the four conditions laid out here for revival. The first one is to humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. What does it mean to humble yourself? It means to admit that we need God's help. That we can't make it on our own. To humble yourself is to have an attitude of submission and respect towards God. It's not to be angry at God, it's to humble ourselves before God. In the Bible, one common way to humble yourself is to fast, and that's to go without food for a season, as you seek God's face. But most of all, it's an attitude of heart. Humility is the opposite of pride. A proud person says, I can make it on my own, I don't need God. I just have to work a little harder, I have to just work a little smarter. But a humble person exalts God and says, God, I can't make it on my own. This problem is too big for me. Life is too complex for me. I can't figure it out. If you don't help me, I'm simply not going to make it. That's a humble person. A humble person says, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Humility is the prerequisite for this next condition of revival, which is to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Just a four-letter, four-letter word. such a simple word, but it encompasses so very much. I've already talked about it, prayed about it, that prayer is communicating with our Creator. Communicating with the infinite God who created us. That's what prayer is all about as a friend. To pray is to worship God. To pray is to to speak to God, to communicate with Him, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for protection. To pray is to listen to God because God is a speaking God and God wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear His voice. Too many people try to pray without humbling themselves. A humble person doesn't demand things of God. A humble person doesn't say, God, you have to do this. A humble person doesn't tell God what to do. God, you should do this because I think this is the best thing to do. A humble person prays as a, as a young child simply asking their father, To do for them what he really wants to do. So the prayer of a humble person is first and foremost what God wants. The Bible teaches us to pray in Jesus' name. And so often we just tack that on the end of a prayer. But what does it really mean? Is it just three words at the end of a prayer? No, it means that the whole context of my prayer, what I'm praying for, is for Jesus. I'm praying for what He wants, first and foremost. I'm praying in His name, not simply things for our comfort or for our pleasure. Next, we are to seek God's face. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So, what does it mean to seek God's face? But when you speak to someone face to face, when you make eye contact, that's the closest kind of communication, isn't it? You're speaking face to face. There's something about being together with somebody that's a little bit different than sending an email, right? Or something about sitting next to somebody, looking into their eyes and talking to them that's a little different than talking on the telephone, isn't it? It's face to face, the most intimate type of communication. And so to seek God's face is to want to draw close to Him. To engage with Him. To, as it were, feel God's emotion. To hear God speaking to us. To let God know how much you love Him. How much you need Him. How much you want to follow Him. It's to it's seek to hear Him better. It means to tell the Lord Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want to hear you speak because whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Not I'll think about it and see if it meets with my goals for 2013. No, what you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And finally, to seek God's face is to repent of wickedness. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, to seek God's face is to run towards God with everything you have. And if you're running towards God with everything you have, you're, you're really turning from wickedness because those are at the opposite ends of the spectrum. If you're running towards God, you're turning away from wickedness. you If you're not turning away from wickedness, you're not seeking God's face. And in this passage, God is saying that Israel's wickedness, the things they'd done wrong, or they would do wrong in the future, would result in drought. It would result in pestilence. It would result in plague. And so they needed to turn away from their sin. Of course, we don't have time to go through the whole history of Israel in the Old Testament, but this happened over and over and over again. The people of Israel would turn their back on God and the judgments would begin to come. And they would get worse and worse until Israel would finally humble themselves, begin to pray, to seek God's face, to turn from their wicked ways and then God would remove His judgments and begin to pour His blessing upon them. And the same is true for us today. They needed to turn away from their sin. To repent or to turn away from sin is not simply saying, I'm sorry. It's not saying, I'm sorry. A lot of people are sorry because of the trouble God brings into it. I'm sorry, God, of all this trouble this has brought into my life. Well, of course you're sorry <laughs> that you had all this trouble. But that's not just repenting. Repenting is turning away from the sin and asking God to help you stop it. To not do it anymore. That's what true repentance is. And as a person seeks God's face, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you things in your life that you need to change, that you need to turn away from. The Bible teaches that every person sins. None of us is perfect. If a person says they're perfect, that they sin not, they're not telling the truth. Even as believers, we have sin in our lives, and it brings various difficulties and problems. And when God reveals in your life a sin, don't minimize it. We tend to minimize it. Oh, that's just a little thing. Everybody is doing that. I know people that are doing far worse. We tend to minimize it. Don't try to cover it up. Just repent. Just turn away so God can bless you. So what kind of goals does God have for us in 2013 regarding Seeking His face. I'm going to talk about a few. And you listen to what God has to say to you as well. Personally, God wants you to meet with Him in prayer every day. I believe there shouldn't be a day that goes by for a believer that we shouldn't meet with God. I'm not just talking about saying grace at meals. I'm not just talking about that's a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not just talking about... Shooting up a prayer at work. That's a good thing to do. But carving out some time alone with God. Just you and Him. Time to block out the television. To block out the internet. To block out your MP3 player. To block everything out. Just you and God. Concentrating on Him. How do you like it when you're talking to somebody and they're diddling with their phone? Anybody like that? God wants you to concentrate on Him. Not be diddling with your phone or whatever it is when you're having time with Him. Special time. If you're not doing it consistently, it should be one of your goals in 2013. I'd encourage you, if you're not doing it regularly, just start with 15 minutes. 15 minutes a day. Now that can grow. But 15 minutes a day uh, seeking God. Now, in the middle of this white page, there's actually a single page here. You might want to pull that out just for a minute. Just a half page. I would like you to look at that. And I've called this the 714 call to prayer. And it has Second Chronicles 714 listed out for you there. In beginning today, Sunday, January 6th, I put down different phrases here. I've got the four conditions. In a minute we're going to talk about the four things that God promises to do. And I encourage you just to take this this week and every day use some of these bullet points to spend some time in prayer with God concerning these things and the other things that you have to talk to God about. Begin the new year right. Begin this week spending time with God every day. I believe every person here can find 15 minutes to spend with God. If God leads you to fast this week, this first week of, of January, follow His leading. What about family goals? We talked that's a personal goal of seeking God's face, a personal goal of prayer 2013. What about family goals? A beginning, beginning goal for 2013 would be for you and your family to have a time of prayer together at least once a week. Now, it could be more, probably should be more, but let's just start with once a week if you're not doing it. If you're married, it would be you and your spouse together, spending some time together, praying together, seeking God together. If you have children at home, it could be uh, the parents and the children seeking God together, spending time, some serious prayer time, at least once a week. What about a prayer goal for our church? As a church, we need to seek God's face together for His blessing upon us, that we would be more effective for Him. So in 2013, we will continue to have, we already announced it, Calvin announced it, we'll have our third Wednesday prayer and praise night. That's when the whole church comes together to spend time. Our focus is on prayer. We'll be doing some praise as well, but our focus is on prayer. I'm going to be asking the life groups not to meet, those are the small groups that meet, uh, not to meet on the third week of the month, so that we can come together and seek God's face together. Important time, I encourage each of you to come. We're also going to continue our prayer time, we'll have it this morning, right at the end of the service here today, there'll be somebody, in this case myself, uh, will be up front to pray for anyone who has needs. And we'll have that time. God has been answering a number of prayers that people have come forward for prayer uh, during that time. And we believe God's going to continue to do that. So don't miss out. Don't think, I don't need anybody praying for me. We all need other people praying for us. And when two or three, Jesus said, gather together in his name. There's something about humbling yourself and letting somebody else pray for you that releases the power of God. When you and another person agree, God's power is released. And I believe as we draw closer to God in 2013 in our prayer life, personally, in our families, and in our church, God's going to do wonderful things. And we're going to have wonderful stories, wonderful stories of God moving to share with one another. Summarize, prayer goals for 2013. Personal prayer, daily. Family prayer, at least weekly. In all church prayer monthly on the third Wednesday of the night. As we seek God's face, as we fulfill these four conditions, humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from our sin, then what happens? Well, let's look at the then clause of this conditional promise. If we meet God's conditions, then God hears our prayers. Then I will hear from heaven. So Now my eyes will be open in verse 15, and my ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Well, doesn't God hear every prayer? The answer is no. He doesn't. One of the common reasons that prayer is not answered is that God simply doesn't listen to it. Did you know that? There's a lot of people praying and God is not listening. Now, of course, He knows everything going on. I'm not saying that He's not omniscient. But in biblical language, God is not listening. Now, how could that be? Let's look at Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. The psalmist writes, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If we're cherishing sin in our hearts, that means we're hanging on to it. That means we don't want to let go of it. We know it's wrong. And we love our sin. We love it more than God. What does the Bible call a sin that we cherish in our hearts and love more than God? It's an idol or worshiping an idol. Now that isn't necessarily in today just a little carved statue as things in our hearts. And if we cherish little idols in our hearts and we know it's wrong and we're not going to let go of it, then God doesn't listen to our prayers. And He won't answer them. And that's one common reason why people say, I pray and nothing happens. God's not listening. He's waiting for you to fulfill the conditions. But if you've turned from your sin, if you've sought His face, if you've humbled yourself, then God will hear your prayers. He says, Then I will hear from heaven. And He will forgive your sin. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Forgiveness of sins is conditional. God doesn't forgive all sin. He doesn't forgive everybody's sin. God forgives the sins of those who turn from their wicked ways. He forgives the sin of those who repent. Who humble themselves. God's forgiveness opens the door for His blessing in our lives. And in every aspect of our lives. And finally, he says that he's going to bring healing. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. In the Old Testament, the land of Israel was given to the people of Israel as a gift from God. But it was a gift that had strings attached, to be honest. They had to continue walking in God's ways. They had to continue honoring him. They had to continue worshiping him and turning away from idols. And then they could live in their land. Sin brought dis-ease into their land. It brought these plagues and these different judgments that God talked about at the beginning uh, of this passage. Drought, pestilence, and, and plague. But here God promises to bring healing to his people. We all need healing in our lives not just talking about physical healing. We're talking about all kinds of healing. God wants to make us whole. God wants to make us complete. We need healing in our relationship with God. We need healing in our relationship with other people. We need healing in every aspect of our lives, in our minds, in our thoughts. For us today, sin brings all kinds of disease, Into our lives, into our families, into our, into our church. God wants to bring healing into every aspect of our lives. God wants to bring blessing as well. And how is that going to happen for you? How is that going to happen for us as we fulfill the conditions of 2 Corinthians 7.14? And then there's one more thing. One more thing. We need to believe. We need to have faith. That what God has promised, He will do. When God says, if you do this, then I will do that, that God will fulfill His promise. That God will bring healing and blessing into our lives. And so in 2013, let's agree to seek God's face in a new way. Wherever you're at in your walk with God, let's move it forward. Maybe you feel like you're a one on a scale of one to ten. Let's move it to a two. Or maybe you think you're an eight. Let's move it to a nine. Seeking God in a new way for ourselves, our family, for our church. We need God's help. We need God's blessing in our lives. This is a complex, chaotic, sin-filled, evil world that we live in. We need God's protection. We need God's guidance. If any one of us thinks they can predict what's going to happen in 2013, I guarantee you, you're wrong. There's some very unexpected things going to happen. I'm not prophesying, I just know. Very unexpected things happened in 2012. Unexpected things are going to happen in 2013. And there's only one person who knows. It's not the President. It's not some guru somewhere. It's God Himself. And He's the one that can guide us in the new year. So let's make a commitment together. To seek his face. In a, in a deeper way. Believing in him. For blessing. I want to point out that on the. Back of your white sheet. Is a, a study guide. Of questions written out about. The. Passage that we looked at this morning. It has other verses written out there as well. And I encourage you to to study that this week, so that God's Word could find its place in your heart. We're going to pray now. And the first thing we're going to pray about is, is this promise in 2 Chronicles 7.14, is not for everybody, it's for believers. It's as if my people. as for people who already have a relationship with God. Now, if you don't have a relationship with God, Actually, the way you begin a relationship with Him is is pretty similar to fulfilling these conditions. To begin a relationship with God, there's only one way to have a relationship with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to do is admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. And we've all done wrong things. Just simply admit it. That's humbling ourselves. Saying, yep, you're right. God, you're right. I'm wrong. I've done wrong things. I've sinned. Secondly, believing that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. I'm saying, Jesus, forgive me. And finally, committing your life to following Him, to doing what He says as your Lord. Following His plan and His goals for your life in 2013. So let's bow our heads right now. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this before, or perhaps you feel like you've wandered away from God and you want to recommit your life to Him this morning, I'd encourage you just to pray along with me. Say something like this. Just pray in your own mind. Say, Father, today I admit that I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I've gone my own way. I've had my own goals. I've followed my own desires. But at this beginning of 2013, I want things to be different. Please forgive me of those sins. I believe you died on the cross that those sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you and your word throughout this year and for the rest of my life. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming into my life. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray and ask God as well to help us in this new year. Father, we thank you for this, this wonderful promise in Second Chronicles 7.14 in your word. Change our hearts, God, and make us willing to fulfill these four conditions so that you might revive our lives, so you might restore our lives, so you might move us further into the blessings that you have for us. Help us to humble ourselves, God. Forgive us for pride, thinking we can do things on our own. Help us to pray, to pray continually, to pray every day. Help us to seek your face, to draw close to you so that we can hear your voice. That prayer can be two-way communication and help us to repent, to turn away from our sin. Please show it to us that we might draw closer to you. We believe, God, that when we do those things that you're going to hear, you're going to forgive, you're going to bring healing into our lives. We need your touch. We need your blessing. We need your healing in our lives, in our families, in our, in our church. And so this morning, God, we seek your face. This morning, God, we humble ourselves. This morning, God, we, we turn away from any sin in our lives. We draw near to you, God. and We ask for your blessing. We ask you to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Bless our church family, God, in this year so that we can bless others as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.